I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. impeccable timing you went live without me i just hit the button like well 15 seconds ago but i still have like 120 seconds really well here we are your uh your computer's wrong there fella i was going off the iphone oh that's your first oh yeah look at that 901 First mistake. Uh, I couldn't get the fucking thing to plug in, man. Good I, lord. I, I opened the laptop and it's like, you're on 5%. Would you like to go into low power mode? No. Say it ain't so. Well, we're back. We're back. It's been a, had a bit of a, bit of a break. Um, October's been a very hectic month, even though we're only halfway through it. I know, right? Um, it's like our, it's like my favorite time of the year, that's for sure. Yeah, except for the hecticness. It's been um, just with the the wedding trip we were on, and coming back and playing catch up on a bunch of stuff, and then just it, it's been nonstop since we got back. I feel like it was nonstop before we left. So it's uh, I'm glad glad to be back. Yeah, man. Look at you with a hoodie on. It's it's cooling off here pretty quick. But yeah, uh, this is uh one of the the newer hoodies that I did a test print on to see see how it holds up in the wash and stuff. Nice. And uh, it it seemed to do okay. So have some hoodies up on the website here soon. Uh, wet that website being fullvisapparel.com. Check it out. Facebook, Instagram, use the code THN at checkout, get 15% off your order. Just, that's an exclusive code for THN listeners and viewers like you. Just like you. Just like you. Uh, this is episode 180. What? Of Snakes and Stogies, which is also brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. You need a rack. You need a cage. You like racks, get a rack. You like cages, get a cage. You like both, get both. Also use that code THN to check out. Theodore, Henry, Nicholas, THN. Phonetics. Tango. <clears throat> Tango Hotel November. Uh, it's October, sir. <laughs> and then Puget Sound Pythons in the Pacific Northwest there. The Gendra. The Gendra. The fine, fine people up there in the the Arctic Circle. Damn close. Give them a follow. Uh, follow them on, on Morph Market. Go hunt them down, see what they've got available. Um, they're kind of starting to like dip their toe into colubrids more and more. They're slowly yes, they are. slowly walking into that pool. It's getting they deeper. Tasted. They tasted that Kool-Aid, man. Just a little taste of it. Once, once it hit your lips, once it hit your lips, it's just so good. 
Who says a snake needs to have a neck? That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're back. We had corn stars last night, which released last night. So it's been a jam packed THN week because we had THP Thursday and then Sunday and then now. So nice. We're making up for that, that lost time, or at least trying to. That's it, right? Little breaks, uh, fuel the fire more. For sure. Um, what are you smoking upon? <clears throat> well, because this is episode 180, which I'm flabbergasted, we're already there. Um, I'm smoking the 40 years Padron 1926 series in a box breast Toro. Nice. Delicious. The Maduro. Uh, I think it is. It looks like it. Sometimes it with those padrones, man, they get some naturals that are really dark, and it can be, it's almost impossible to, to tell what's a natural and what's a Maduro. Yeah, I do like how they put the lot number on the band. I, th- I always thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. What about they, uh, my coworker, her son in law runs a fishing charter, and they actually took the padrones out because they own a property near nearby here like in our in my area they took a fishing charter out there with them i didn't ask him how it went I, I meant to ask him next time i see him but very cool i felt i was like he doesn't really smoke cigars he's like what do i like what do i do i was like i don't, I don't know man i'm jealous like <laughs> yeah right there's so many questions I don't know, it sounds like the other guy that was sort of like co-captaining the charter thing with him, like went on Wikipedia at least and did a little bit of research on the family. And like, so I was like, okay, good on you. you know? That's good. That's good. I was like, bring me back some cigars. If you don't nice. smoke them, just, you know, let me know. Uh, I don't have anything tonight, actually. I um, You're kidding. I'm not kidding, man. It sucks. I'm frustrated because I, I want... I want something. I don't even got a monster. I got coffee, wow. which it's not just any coffee. It's cold blooded caffeine. It's delicious. And nutritious. It's, iced. it's, it's ice cold. Cause even in the winter, I like my coffee iced, you know? Um, hop on over to cold blooded caffeine. Do some shopping. If you use the link that is down below in the description, your boys get a little bit of that action. But if not, no big deal. You're still supporting the awesome people that we love. And the animals in the habitats to which the coffee is grown. Correct. All of the above. Yeah, I uh, I don't have I don't have a smoke, man. Um, it almost makes me not want to smoke that you um, don't have a smoke. I was tempted to, to go bum one from my dad, but I ended up, I think I fell asleep on the couch for a little bit. Oh, man. Well, we'll make the best of it. I feel like I, I don't, I feel naked. I feel empty. I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do. How was your week? My week was uh, epic, to say the least. I had the privilege to go field herping in North Florida with the NPR boys. Um, Mr. Eric Burke, Mr. Robert Stone, the one and only Nipper Reed, and uh, a guest appearance from KJ himself. And uh, 
it was a good week, man. We we got rained out a lot, and it got cold, which made herping difficult. But the cool thing about cold weather is amphibians don't give a shit. So lots of amphibians, lots of frogs and toads, which was pretty awesome. Um, and a, a lot of species I'd never seen, a, a tons of habitat I had never seen. So it, it's amazing how large the state of Florida is. And there's always this rule of thumb that Florida ecosystems can change every seven feet if need be. You know, mm -hmm. you can have one one area is a, a lowland swamp that's literally Everglades swamp, and then seven feet away it can be like a cypress bog where it's only a few inches of water with cypress trees. And then another seven feet away, it can be higher elevation, sandy soil with, you know, longleaf pine and palmetto head. So it's a diverse ecosystem and we got to see almost all of it. So uh, it was pretty awesome trip. Um, the uh, it started off uh, nipper flew in early because of his distance and jet lag and everything. He likes to get in like a day or two early to uh, right. kind of prep himself. So he stayed with me and uh, took him out to the cane fields, got him his first cane toad, which is kind of cool, get a cane toad in the cane fields. And we found him a nice softball size cane toad. Uh, and then the following night, I took him down into Big Cypress National Park, which we got some water snakes, a couple cottonmouths. And uh, we, got, we wound up actually going down to the farthest tip of Florida that you can go on the west side of Florida. So uh, obviously everybody's national park and the keys is, is farther south, but yeah. when you're on the West side of the state on the very bottom, uh, we went down to Everglades city and I got a new species that I'd never seen. Um, so there's three different species of salt marsh snake, Nerodia clarki, and we were kind of checking the mangrove estuaries, you know, on some boat ramps. And, and there was this one little, patch of mangroves that i guess it was it wasn't low tide but it was low enough that we could have waded through it if we really wanted to yeah and uh we were just scanning the mangrove sprouts and i saw a snake i'd never seen before and it was clearly a neurodia in salt water but it was banded like a sea crate mm. and it, it was i was shocked i was like what is that and then we chased it down and i tried to hook it because i didn't want to get soaking wet and naturally i fumbled it and lost it and i hindsight i should have took a picture of my cell phone to at least for, have recorded it you know but uh nipper and i both saw it and it turned out to be uh neurodia clark guy compressicata so the mangrove salt marsh snake take so, me down to the everglades city where the grass is green and the crocs are pretty yeah we were actually looking for crocs uh and <laughs> no luck on that end but uh from there we drove up to orlando and picked up the other boys and went up to north florida where we did some time outside of uh, osceola national forest and ocala national forest and man it, i've got pictures that i'm going to send you i've been slacking i haven't edited anything i've only been home for like 24 hours um but I'm going to send you some Facebook pictures in a minute so that we can throw them up there and kind of show people what's what. But I think the coolest part of the trip, aside from hanging out with buddies, is Florida only has five native species of toad. Uh, six if you count the cane toad, which obviously we know is invasive, but right. they've been here a long time. So they're basically native at this point. Um, and between Nipper and I, we got to see, and then the boys as well, we got to see every species of toad in Florida in under a week. And I thought that was awesome. Super happy to do that, man. And it was five different toads, five different ecosystems. And uh, 
I'm really I'm really happy about that. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, not rejuvenated because I never really lost it, but I always have a special place in my heart for Toads, and this just made it that much better. You know what I mean? Yeah, do there are there spade foots down there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some photos together real quick. I'll send them to you so we can throw them. Or if you want me to put them on air, I'll put them on air. Um, I've got Facebook open array. All right, cool. Well, why don't while I do that, why don't you tell us how your week was and let us know about this this wedding? Um, I mean, it wasn't really like a wedding they didn't have like a ceremony that we went to but we hung out with extended family of the groom and it's my sister-in-law's wedding was in boston outside of boston thankfully not actually in boston we flew into boston and it was like downtown boston like i thought atlanta was bad like boston is is like another level of really good lord just the massiveness of it and really i'm not a not a not a city person okay i just anytime i'm in like a really chaotic like you ever been through atlanta and there's that section that's like six lanes on both sides oh yeah like that just hellacious section that runs right through the middle of downtown atlanta and any all that like small streets people walking all that stuff i just don't don't enjoy being in, in larger cities like that uh thankfully they live outside of of all that so we pretty much flew into boston and then escaped from boston as quickly as possible and the consensus that i'm getting from from most of the people i talk to that that live there they're like yeah we don't go to boston like nobody that lives there goes into boston unless they have to so I was like, that kind of makes sense. I don't think I'd be there either. Um, we stayed in Warwick, Rhode Island for a night or two. That was pleasant. Cool. Cool. Um, really, I mean, it's kind of about it. We were we left Thursday, came back Sunday, and it was one of those trips where I felt like I needed a vacation afterwards. Oh, I know the feeling. Just... Because I feel like we were just going, you know, it wasn't, there was very little downtime, at least it felt like that, but um, everyone's fine, came back, you know, no issues, I, all the snakes were fine. Um, good, good. I was glad to be back. I am glad to be back. Excellent. We're glad to have you back. And everything else is is good, uh, snake wise, egg wise, baby wise. How's yeah, the eggs, doing? eggs are. Uh, we are eggless for the next, you know, seven months, whatever. Um, the seasons just go by so quick because I feel like it was it was just the other day that I was pulling stuff out of cooling and putting stuff together and. Um, it's like as soon as you finish hatching those last couple eggs, it's it's like again right at time to to start cutting back food and getting things sort of geared to to go back into cooling and it's uh it's wild. Got a lot of a lot of corns. Still sort of trying to navigate exactly what next year is going to look like in terms of the season. 
uh, we talked about it on on Corn Stars a little bit last night. Sort of, everyone has so much stuff right now, and no one's really buying. Like, is it is it wiser to stay the course and still produce next year, thinking that maybe there'll be a vacuum because everyone else is going to say, "I'm going to do a light year. I'm not going to breed as much." Um, I don't know. I definitely will be pairing some stuff next year because there's some particular projects uh especially with the ladies island stuff that that it's time for that next step in as far as the line breeding so <clears throat> that'll be happening and uh some other corn stuff and i don't think i'm gonna do bairds next year i think i'm gonna take a year off from those give my females some a year to okay sort of come back to zero you know um Condros. I'm trying. Still got some condros together. Nothing's. It's still early in the in the season on those, so we'll see what happens. Uh, picked up that really big female biot locally. Um, she seems to be settling in really well. Haven't fed her. I'm probably gonna end up giving her a pretty severe cutback on food just because of how how massive she is. Um. And then not really sure exactly what the game plan is there as to whether or not if I'm going to, you know, attempt to pair later at the end of the year or kick it until next year. Um, still kind of deciding there. So we'll see. But tons of baby corns. Nice. Tons of baby corns. Good stuff. Uh, Nate asked, is cold-blooded caffeine as good as cottonmouth hot sauce? It sure is. It sure is, Nate. See any hog noses? Mike asked. No, we were in the perfect country for both southerns and easterns, and we didn't see any. So, but there's always next time. So, and they call it Hogtober for a reason, but uh, we struck out on that front. But we definitely saw some other cooler stuff, which you're about to see if you're watching this live. If you're not, you should probably hop on YouTube after your commute to work and check out these awesome photos that I took with my cell phone. And, uh, yeah, Smitty, throw them up whenever you get a minute. And we're pulling them up right now. Excellent. And they are in order. So uh, we started off the trip um, flipping, a, flipping a pygmy. Uh, Nipper flipped a, a baby pygmy on this one trail. Um, and this photo does not do it justice. I've seen a lot of pygmy rattlesnakes in my day. I've seen a lot of duskies and, ah. uh, Oh, what'd you do? I'm still here. You are still there. I know you're still there. I can hear I you. hit the wrong button. All right. My there we go. Peeps. So for those of you looking, if you managed to zoom in the yellow that's on this pygmy was not yellow. It was crazy neon Halloween orange. And I'm probably going to have to go into Photoshop and fix the colors because it just doesn't do this snake justice. I've never seen a pygmy diamondback or excuse me, pygmy rattlesnake with this kind of neon orange and purple hue. It was absolutely fantastic. It's but a if Halloween phase. It's a hell. It's a legit Halloween, and it reminded me so much of those neon orange southern hogs, the southern right. hog snakes. And it just the, the 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 who's mimicking who, you know. 
So here's a picture of the one and only Rob Stone photographing that exact pygmy just for scale. You see how tiny it was. I don't know if it was born. It was probably born early this summer. Um, it it had some that small though. It, it, it was pretty small. Really? Um, no more than a year old at max. <clears throat> so, but uh, a fantastic specimen, hell of a way to start a trip. So this is actually the second pygmy we got. Um, this one again the picture doesn't do it justice this snake was freaking purple it was lavender violet hold on let me yell at my dog schnitzel i'll be right back let me put him inside real quick silence one of these days i'm gonna get on down to harry claiborne's neck of the woods and uh just go look for pigs i gotta see some pygmies man we have them up here, but I, I've I've never seen one. Um, Jake just last weekend, weekend before last, he was uh, out in like the Okatee Hunt Club area, and he he they saw a fresh dor, unfortunately. Um, and that's I mean that's the only pygmy I've even seen photographic evidence of recent. Um, don't really see them in the ID groups around here. Um, I think just where we are, like you kind of have to go inland a little bit, you know, being this close to the water and on the coast, I don't think you tend to find them as much, but if you go sort of away from the coast, just a bit, and it doesn't have to be much like the, the Okatee hunt club in comparison to the water is, is more inland, but it's not like upstate or anything crazy like that. So. My apologies, I'm back. So, yeah. Thank you, Walter. Oh, Walter. Nice, man. He's back. He's back. So, yeah, um, I'm sparing everyone the copious amounts of photos I took of all different stuff. Uh, squirrel tree frogs, um, Pine barrens, tree frogs, all kinds of stuff. But this guy right here. Narrow mouth toads. Narrow mouth toad. So this is number, essentially number two on our toad list because cane toad first. But we really don't count cane toad as a native, even though they're pretty much native. But this little booger, Nipper found this thing inside of tree bark of a rotten log. And I, I should have taken a scale picture with like a dollar bill or something. But that when oak I, leaf is a pretty good yeah that oak leaf is is a is a damn good scale to it but this toad was probably the size of my thumbnail and i don't have big hands but it, it, incredibly tiny and super duper cute um but yeah they're narrow mouth toad so that's that's our, our it's really first. it's a really cool little species it's very different from the other other toad species that we have yeah now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is technically not even actually a toad. It's I think it's more of a frog, isn't it? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm honestly yeah. not entirely sure. I know sort of their the bulk of their diet, I believe, is ants. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, uh, uh, maggots, uh, beetle larvae all over the place. So this thing was eating, eating good. So Yeah, we get a lot of those. So my parents, you know, every spring, especially with their pool and their skimmer box, there's almost always <clears throat> a couple narrow mouth toads in there with some spade foots and other. Oh, okay. So this is uh, Cope's oh, cool. 
this is this is a uh, Cope's gray tree frog, and we found this guy nowhere near water. I mean, realistically, he's probably maybe 200 yards from a, a water pool or like mm-hmm. a, a half-ass pond, but it was crazy. He was just literally sitting on the grass like that. So we got some some pictures of his legs for ID, and then we put him back on his his piece of grass, his blade of grass to uh, take this photo. So I thought he was super cute. Yeah, I'm not familiar with those. <clears throat> All right. Now we get to number three on our toad list. This is the Fowler's Toad. And we first found a couple of them by our Airbnb. And Nipper and I were looking at them, and they were really, really pretty. And we're like, man, these are really pretty for a southern toad. And then we went up looking up that I guess the uh, ridges on the skull are less defined on a Fowler's. And then they have these unique bands on their forearms and their hind legs. You can kind of see them on the hind legs. Dude, this toad was so pretty, man. So pretty. And if I didn't have a whole four or five more days of herping, I probably would have took this guy home and set him up because this, this may be my, my new favorite toad in Florida. Just so pretty, super textured, crazy, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Like a blotched pattern with banding on the arms. Just mm-hmm. an awesome, awesome amphib. So very handsome. Very handsome. Hey. Hey. <clears throat> so we Jeez. didn't find yeah, we didn't find many snakes, but this snake was extremely photogenic. This is the rough green snake. That's a very yellow. Yeah, and it's a high yellow. And again, this is just my cell phone. I have not doctored these up yet. I'm going to clean them up a little bit because some of them are kind of grainy, but this snake was super photogenic. It sat still for us. It, it actually, I was holding it while we were kind of like staging our little photo shoot and the thing saw itself. It saw its own reflection in my sunglasses and was like eyeing me up at eye level. It was super cool, man. I never had a snake do that before. It's such a cool species, man. Yeah. Super underrated. Some of the first ones I ever kept was two of these things together in like a 10 gallon. And I'd go uh, in the backyard and catch them grasshoppers and throw them in there and watch them hunt them. So cool. Yeah, I actually, I put this up here. I I sent you this picture because I figured of you of all people would get a kick out of it. Yeah, I still, man, anytime I find these, I still, I got to catch them and and play with them for a few minutes. It's just, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm, you know, seven years old again. Such a fun species. So this is one of the uh, pine habitats um, that is a slightly higher elevation. And when we say higher elevation, we're not talking about montane species that are at thousands of feet above sea level. We're talking less than 100 feet above sea level. So most of lowland Florida is between 28 and 35 foot of elevation above sea level. This is probably 50 or 60, maybe 100 feet above sea level. But where we were in central Florida, central peninsular Florida, it is arguably the highest point. Uh, That's kind of why Disney World smack dab in the middle, because Walt Disney bought the highest elevation of land he could, just in case. Um, But this is super cool habitat, because it needs fire to survive. And Mm -hmm. people don't know that and when they see wildfires out west in california and arizona and colorado and even our our recent wildfires in canada you know people they don't realize that florida it's part of the ecosystem several of these plants will not 
produce a seed or a fruit unless they're burnt. They actually use the fire as kind of a, a, an activation switch to mm -hmm. turn on the reproductive cycle. So this area is um, a longleaf pine that's been naturally burned, just natural wildfire. And then all the pine trees themselves, there's no more leaves. They have this jet black charcoal crust around all their bark. And in between there, all the brush and the bushes and the weeds, all that gets burned off. But the palmetto bushes, they stay, they stay there. And so in this photo, if you if you get to go on YouTube, if you're listening from your car, you basically have a, a rich, sandy, loomy sand soil with the palmetto leaves and the palmetto bushes. And the only thing you really see besides palmetto are pine cones ready to make new pine trees. So I just I really love this photo. I'm probably gonna use it for background on something. Oh, I yeah. don't know. You know. Nice Eastern Diamondback setup or something. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And there it is. Oh, so this was arguably the highlight of our trip. Um, one of our key species we were looking for is the state protected Florida pine snake. Now, if you're a herper and you're in the United States and you rank species by winning the lottery. This is not winning the Powerball, but you definitely won the state lottery if you find yourself a Florida pine. Uh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime species. I've seen a handful in captivity, but I've never seen one in person. This may be the last one I ever see in person because they are just that elusive. And this is the most textbook specimen you could ever ever have found the amounts of burgundy color and rich reds and browns in their scalation of this snake these photos just don't do it justice um it was probably around i don't know 72 degrees it was overcast it was raining it had just stopped drizzling we were driving on this dirt road and it's like you know what this is this is a dud road it's too cold it's too wet let's turn around so i made like a half-ass u-turn and the minute I put the car in drive, this behemoth of an animal was slithering out onto the road. So we stopped the car, jumped out, screamed, yelled for joy, super elation. I cannot emphasize the amount of passion and emotion that all of us conveyed upon seeing this animal in the wild. And even though it wasn't necessarily one of the key species we were looking for, it's still a once in a lifetime achievement at least for me at least for me and I, I can probably speak for the guys that i was with um i know kj's seen a good handful of pines because he lives up in that neck of the woods but but this animal is just so incredible we sat and watched it for probably a half an hour or so uh just watching it do its thing it had no fear of us at one point it hissed a little bit because i think we got a little too close to it but just an incredible animal a once in a lifetime experience if you go to the next photo it's it, i think it's a better photo oh wow so, yeah wow yeah so i don't know if you can zoom in on the, on that one but this photo again i did not doctor this at all this is just straight cell phone um you can see the burgundies and the rust tones in the saddle scalation and just the white of the face with the big big beautiful pupils and one of the things that always drives me crazy with uh, reptile photography is if you have a nocturnal species and you're using flash at night their pupils get super tiny because the flash is, has has made the pupil dilate mm -hmm. or if you're 
uh, out in the sunshine, it's the same effect. The, the pupils aren't right. But if you look at this animal, its pupils are almost at rest because it was so overcast. We weren't using flash. We we're just letting it do its thing using the natural lighting. And it's just, it, uh, I was legit speechless. I was legit speechless. I, I, I can imagine that I was probably had my mouth open for a whole five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever seen one that has that just that brighter pastel-y orangey red color to it on the yeah. on the back half um, yeah you know all the ones that i've seen at least between what i've kept and what jake has and it's been much more of a just a deeper red yeah yeah so this was a it was actually a female um it looked like it had just shed and <clears throat> excuse me what i thought was super interesting is because we were in that burnt uh pine habitat it had these black slashes, just rich, rich, dark, almost Sharpie marker black slashes all over the sides of them. And we realized that that's, it's not actual pattern. It's soot and ash mm -hmm. from all of the burnt timber around that area. So it's super, super fascinating. Um, where we were, were tons of s sandy pockets and you could see holes. So, I imagine that there's probably more of them out there and, and we let her slither on her way and, and hopefully make more of them for more people to find. So good old vinegaroon, the good old vinegaroon, this, uh, vinegaroon or whip scorpion, if you want to call it that, um, there's actually, I think two or three different species native to Florida. I don't remember which one this was. Um, this one was probably the size of probably the length of your thumb. Mm -hmm. Um, super sassy uh totally harmless we held them we picked them up and played with them and uh i got to hear nipper shriek like a girl because it touched him <laughs> and uh, and then he's like no no mate no mate i gotta i gotta face my fears face my fears so we coaxed it onto his hand and he uh he got to hold it for a minute which was super cool very brave of him but i just thought it was a cool picture and the lichen on the tree bark looks awesome. I was unaware that there. Well, no, that's not true. I knew there was at least one species in Florida. I didn't know there was yeah. multiples. Ooh! All right. And now, are we on number four in toads? I think number four. So this is the oak toad, and uh, personal I, I, favorite. If you can zoom in, I would it's, like uh, to. It's on Facebook. It's not gonna let me. Ah, uh, okay. So the patterning on this toad is almost identical to that purple pygmy rattlesnake i showed you in a few previous photos mm -hmm. and it just goes to show you again with that that cryptic mimicry you know who's venomous who's poisonous uh this toad is probably again the size of my thumbnail maybe a little yeah they're a very small species very small species and uh but dude the purple hues with like these charcoal saddles it almost looked like remember that old vietnam tiger camo from the yeah. 70s it looked like that dude super cool and it matched the pygmy rattlesnake so well so well so I, I imagine a predator would see this little nugget of a toad sitting there and possibly think it's a rattlesnake's head but uh yeah actually if you look in the top right corner you can see my finger mm -hmm. just for scale so but yeah, the oak toad. All right, here's number five. This is the southern toad. Um, very similar to the fowlers, has way bigger cranial bumps. So these like 
horns or ridges on the top of their head. It has a more predominant white stripe on the, the, the vertebral stripe going down its spine, very much like that oak toad. But this thing's probably the size of a softball. This thing is massive. Um, probably the most common toad in Florida. Uh, they range the entire state. Um, but where they are, the Fowler's toads are not. So it's kind of like what we talked about with the uh, Renella and the Tantilla, not Renella, excuse me, um, the Tantilla and the um, Steraria. Steraria, excuse me. So, you know, that, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Niche partitioning, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Where where one is, the other one is not. So I just thought that was a good looking toad. Super warty. And last but not least, the spade foot. So we we really weren't hunting specifically for toads this trip. Um, but Nipper and I really like toads. So we were like, all right, there's another toad, take a picture. Here's another toad, take a picture. So we had a lot of fun with that. But we're on the last day and it was like, man, we got five of the six species. It would man, it'd be great if we could find. A spade foot and we hadn't seen one the entire week so kj went on some of his maps he has on his phone and he's like well where we are is on there's this big giant lake he's like where we are is on this one side of the lake there's he says i've seen them on the other side so if they're on the left they probably are on the right so we decided to go for a walk and literally the last species of the trip, we found this little female sitting there looking super cute with her little bug eyes. And uh, that completed the, the six species, man. So it's good times. That's a cool species too. Yeah. And uh, I wish you could zoom in on this one. This one is incredible. So this is a blue garter snake, Florida blue garter snake that uh, Rob picked up on a, a canal levee that we were, we were hiking on late at night in the rain tons of bugs and this thing's it's kind of skinny but the blue coloration is just i mean any blue animal in the wild is just slap you in the face beautiful and this garter snake it is is exactly what you'd expect it is neon freaking blue so uh, if anybody wants to see this this snake uh dm me i'll send you a zoomed in photo because hold on incredibly pretty Uno momento. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's not like greenish blue. No, man. It's freaking blue. A little bluish. Like that is. You know what that is? Blue. You know what that is? That's Puget Sound Python blue. That's what that is. Python blue. Yeah. Awesome animal. Awesome, awesome animal. So we found a lot more species. Uh, Like I said, probably seven or eight more species of frog uh no salamanders no sirens kind of bummed about that but it was just the weather wasn't right we had a low pressure system come through it was like 46 degrees one morning so we weren't going to find too much but uh we definitely got a lot of amphibians a great handful of snakes a couple cotton mouths some water snakes a couple uh, uh, florida water banded water green water um i'm trying to think what else a couple more pygmies that i just didn't get pictures of but it was a fantastic trip, man. It really gave me a, a, a new appreciation for amphibians. It did. What you pulling up here? Oh, okay. The, so this uh, video is kind of choppy because Facebook ruins it. But this is a, a, a great photo of what I call Florida jungle. It is not jungle like Borneo, but 
it is hot, humid, low, wet, and it's just sandy enough for palmetto heads, but the oak trees basically make a jungle-like canopy, and mm-hmm. everything is just thick and saturated and very, very hard to find stuff. Um, this is the very similar terrain where Rob Stone found a coral snake, and as he says, coral snake, and jumps to like snatch it safely it goes down into the leaf litter and we never saw it ever again. disappears dude it's just amazing vanished. how fast they are just yeah they just yeah you like know, Houdini, it, they just teleport and they're just yeah. gone as soon legit. as they as soon as they get out of your eyesight they're gone legit so one of us saw coral snakes one of us saw a coral snake excuse me there were no pictures of it i mean we we, we believe rob we trust rob rob knows what a coral snake looks like but uh but now he's definitely destined to find one and 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 get that tick on his list, you know. Yeah, a lot of that's what a lot of my area is like with those, you know, those palmetto stands and Yeah, man. It was just it was crazy oh. how much how much ecosystem we went through in in such a small area. And I mean, we we drove a lot. Um realistically between taking nipper out to the glades driving all the way up north going from realistically the georgia border to orlando and back uh we did about we just did just over two thousand miles in the car between road cruising and everything and then we did around 33 miles on foot wow yeah i mean some days we did more than others but we we did about 33 miles for the whole week you know on foot so it was a great week man but it wasn't cold the whole no it was like, it was it was only a couple days right yeah basically uh, monday it got cool it was like in the 60s and uh and tuesday it got real cold it was like in the 40s in the morning but then it was probably 80 during the day um and then it consistently stayed 70s to 80s and warmed up progressively and got more humid progressively as the week went on so typical florida yeah but it was at least productive. Yeah. Oh, most definitely, man. Most yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Was uh, where did Nipper fly into? So I had him flying to West Palm because uh, it's very close to Anna Maria's house. So her and I picked him up. Her and I picked him up from the airport at like eight o'clock at night. We grabbed some food on the run, and then I took him out to the cane fields, and then we road cruised the cane fields for a few hours, and then he stayed at my house that night. I had to work the next day, so he went up hanging out at the house and sitting by the pool and just chilling with my uh, during while I was at work. And then after I got out of work about three hours early, um, and we saddled up, went out to Everglades City and Big Cypress and bombed around there, and then the next morning we drove up and, and picked up Eric and, uh, uh, excuse me, Eric and Rob from uh, Orlando International Airport. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, man. Well, I know uh, me and Jake keep talking about going back out and cruising the hunt club, and I know he's done that um, while I was gone, but he found a nice little cane, and then oh, cool. he found um, a DOR pygmy. All right. Which I was saying while you were gone putting the dog in earlier, like uh pygmies are like they're around, but they seem to be very difficult to come across. 
Um, and so like that was the first pygmy that Jake has seen, and he, I think he said like seven years. Really? Yeah. Interesting. What color was it? Was it more of a? Was it? It was Calif- uh, uh Excuse me, Carolina, right? Yeah, it was a. It was darker. But it wasn't. It wasn't a dusky. You're you're just just north of that dusky range, right? I believe so. Okay. Super cool. Yeah, I've only ever seen duskies in the wild, so I got to get the other two on my uh, on my tick list. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to see some. Yeah, man. I, I learned this trip that I'm definitely spoiled living in South Florida, road cruising because if we don't see anything for an hour or two, we'll just go home. You know. But when mm-hmm. you're up in that area and it's 65 degrees, mm-hmm. you road cruised for, I don't know, eight hours, man. And we found stuff, but like, it's just so crazy. The, the time differences in terms of temperature and what comes out at what time of day. And it's just, it's totally different. So it was definitely out of my element. And uh, I'm glad that <laughs> Rob did his homework and I'm glad we had KJ there as the boots on the ground and, you know, that all that was quintessential in, in finding that pine snake, you know? Yeah, I mean, how how pumped was Nipper to see that? Oh, dude, I, honestly, though, uh, Nipper enjoyed it. He's uh, <laughs> uh, he's already looking at getting a pair for himself in Europe. Um, but honestly, I think uh, I think me and Rob really were amazed. I mean, I was speechless and Rob was just he was elated, man. He was he was just in shock and awe. You know, because you you hope to see one, you know, maybe you see a juvenile, you expect it to be that kind of off white gray with some like gray or maybe brown saddling. You don't expect to see that that Mm -hmm. just that incredible once in a lifetime burgundy animal. So. Yeah. Blessed, man. Freaking blessed. Yeah, I don't know as much as Harry Claiborne goes goes down in his his way i definitely want to get down there and i just want to see pygmies in the wild I just yeah man i want to see some pigs man they're such yeah. a cool species and i do plan on eventually getting some uh when space is more more available yeah well what we got to do is you and jake got to drive down on a sunday morning uh you know it's like what four four and a half hours from you and then it's about four hours from me. We'll meet in the Ocala area. We'll road cruise the day, grab a you know dinner, and then go our separate ways. We could make a day trip of it. I mean, it's a lot of driving, but is it really be, only like be, four hours for you? Yeah, Why for for, o, like for Ocala, yeah. It seems like it would be farther than that. Nah, nah. I mean, you figure it's it's north of Orlando, and it takes me just about three hours to get to Orlando. Hmm. So. Yeah, man, we should do it. Yeah, we can. We can double date. Hey, yeah, I need to figure out. I've been thinking of renaming Corn Stars something else. Why? I don't know. I, I just, think it's awesome. I don't I don't know. I've uh we were talking about it in the in the group chat earlier today, the Cornstars chat and uh seems pretty split like Chris and I talked about it. I think Chris is fairly 
ambivalent to whether or not it changes or not. Okay. Uh, just because he's like, it's not going to, doesn't change anything about the show itself in terms of like what we're going to do and things like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's just one of those things where it's like, if there's a younger crowd that wants to listen to that show and they have parents that, that pay attention to what their children are consuming, like, I don't know, man. I feel like it's going to go over <laughs> most children's heads. Probably, but at the you same know, time, kids in high school are going to think it's funny, you know. And I really like the the rock star style logo. You know, and what that I mean? could like, still stay the same because I don't, I don't know. I've, I've, we've talked about some options as far as changing it. Um, I, at first, when I when I first came up with the name, like I thought it was, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was great. It works, man. It As really time works. goes on, I'm just not into it. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just kind of like, God. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Mike. Mike Kosicki says, it. Mike Kosicki says you're overthinking it. I agree with him. I really do. I don't. What if I change it to Children of the Corn. No. Come on. No, no that's like cliche. I mean, obviously, corn stars is cliche too, but I think corn stars is great, man. I think it's unique. I think it's fun. Like I said, any little kid that is parents, the, the parents that are letting their kid listen to corn stars probably has a sense of humor and it's going to go right over the kid's head. No different than all of the sexual innuendos in Disney movies go right over their heads. There's sexual innuendos in Disney movies? Yes, like every Disney movie. like what there's a lot of them there's robin williams saying provocative things in the movie aladdin there's you know phallic shapes on the cover of the original little mermaid box um there's lots and lots of very adult things in disney movies that are subtle and subliminal yeah but this like that the name really isn't all that what corn stars i don't think it's that that's subtle i it's yeah but that's the thing is it's subtle to to kids that don't really know any better and the kids that are in high school listening to it they're gonna laugh they're gonna think it's funny they know what's going on i don't know my so the only thing like the sort of the thing that got the the gears turning is like does that name dissuade people that we would like to have on the show from coming on because it's not at all not at all it's because i don't not at all name name one influential corn snake person who you think would not come on the show because of that they may not want to come on a podcast because they don't want that kind of exposure they may not be comfortable you know being talking live or, or being recorded i can understand all that people have their own their own things and and that's one thing but I can't think of a single person in herpetoculture that would actually find that offensive. Not necessarily offensive, but them just be like, I, I, what was the way I phrased it? I don't want people to think it's something that it's not. Cause I feel like there's the name and then what Chris and I bring each episode is very much like, like the other content on the network, like it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's not like over the top. We're not 
you know, it's not dramatic. It's none of this. Yeah. I mean, do you guys and even I, curse? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, not, not like blatantly, but not, not like this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you put, you mark it as explicit. I, I, I never noticed. I do just because the, just the, in case like, I don't, yeah. I'd rather it be there and it not happen than, yeah. You know, not that it, I don't care in that regard. Like, it yeah, is it's it better, is. better safe than sorry. Um, Patrick said, corn snake breeders are adults and their head is that far up their ass. You don't need them on the show. Yeah, but I, I just, I don't want it to be the, the one, like, it's a very stupid thing to get in the way of, of us bringing on good, like, I don't think it will, man. I don't. Did you have an incident? Did nope. someone say that? No. So then, where did you even get this it's thought? Just, it's just something I've been thinking about. Um, what 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 prompted this thought in your mind? Well, we. I mean, there's people that are that are very apprehensive about coming on podcasts to begin with. But that has nothing to do with the name of the podcast. It could because it'd be like, oh, well, I'm gonna do a podcast, and they'd be like, oh, it's called Corn Stars. Oh, right. It's called Corn Stars because it's corn snake centric. It's about corn snake keepers and breeders and naturalists. That's it. I am over. I guess I'm overthinking it. I don't know. I just I'm thinking. So I mean, I I gotta think about the network overall and where things can be improved and like what's possibly holding us back in certain regards. And you know, I just like there's there's people again. Like there's people that are apprehensive to come on podcasts, and it's like we try really hard to. Make it easy for those people to be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, like Carol, who we just had on yesterday, she's like, she's not a big talker, so she claims she she did great, you know, the conversation was was awesome, it was a great episode, I really liked it, um, really enjoyed talking to her, you know, and it, that was something that took a while to really, I mean, A, she had some things come up personally, so we had to definitely put it on pause for a while, which is fine. Right. Um but there's just like that apprehension from people that that are they have a ton of information and yeah they may not be big talkers but it's like we try to make it as easy as possible and if there's something like a stupid name for podcasts i don't it might be one of those things that just makes it that little bit harder and it's like if we had just i don't think that's the case man i don't i, I don't know i don't i don't think it's the case i think most people are going to giggle at it I do, especially if they're in the reptile community. I mean, think about, yes, there is all walks of life in herpetoculture. There are people that are very conservative. There are people that are very religious. But the majority of them are pretty, I don't want to be coarse and say normal, but pretty typical modern Americans, if you want to call it that. And the name Corn Stars, I think, is not only very catchy, it's memorable. And I don't personally, I don't feel that the name corn stars would really cause someone to have inhibitions of being on the show specifically because of the name. You know what I mean? It's not like the show's called fucking corn snakes. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not the case. It's, it's, it's a funny play on words and you know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I, I feel. I'm just thinking out loud, man. Like getting. No, the, I know, I know. The temperature I'm not, of things. I'm asking people's opinions. Yeah, I mean, well, let me put it this way. Uh, Obviously, this show has a lot of degenerate followers. Like everyone in the group chat right now, love you all. My, especially Patrick. My my degenerates. Yes, our degenerates. Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki. Chris Trippy. Degenerates. Love them all. Where, where's Billy Jenkins? I know he's in there somewhere. He's hiding. Yes, and I know I saw Keller was in there. But you anyway, know, he's, he's, he's back there like a <laughs> creep. Yeah, so everyone in this group chat is saying how they love the name. And let's be real. As much as I joke about our group chat consisting of degenerates, almost everyone in here. people. No, no, they are the best people. Every single person that I just named, every single person I'm seeing in this this live stream chat right now on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, the Ipers are here. There you go. Uh... So it, it, across the pond, again. We all have like to have a good laugh, but all these people, they're family people, they're good people, they have good morals, they have good ethics, and they're all saying, keep the name. It's silly, it's fun. So there's your there's your demographic right there. Forgive me if I'm speaking out of line. Let me see. Mike said, Don't confuse people having stage fright with the name deterring them. And that's not what it is at all. Um you know, with with s certain guests, at least with in Chris and I's experience, uh, because we try to go for people that are sort of less active on the social side, that are a little bit harder. They're kind of like the the Skywalkers of of the hobby, where it's like you got to go to the fucking island and hunt them down, and then make sure to tell them like, please don't kill me. We're here because we need you. Like, uh, just a again, it's like the the it's already a difficult process. It's already something that takes time. And it's like hostage negotiations sometimes where it's like, you got to be really delicate with what you say. Cause the, the wrong thing might scare them off. Um, and you know, I just, does the name benefit us in that regard? Or does it, is it making our jobs harder? It's kind of where I'm at. I think it's a benefit. I do. It hasn't been a case like we haven't had anything yet where someone's like, I'm not coming on the show because here's the name. Like, that's not the case. That's not. I've never had anyone say anything about the name. Yeah. I have had people comment because uh, Jake and I were, were just sort of talking about this briefly on Thursday. Um, you know, they were like, well, I got a Cornstar shirt, but, you know, if I'm going to like something at my kid's school, I can't exactly wear that. Yeah, but I also Which can't. Part of the, I can't wear a shirt to a, a, a kid's school that says Smith and Wesson on it, you know, or I can't wear one that says, uh, you know, look, my shirt right now, it says, I smoke cigars and I know things. And Maria's mom bought it for me. I love this shirt. I'm not going to wear it to a to a school function. You know, it's, it's smoking because it's inappropriate for kids. Cigars, it's different. It's not bad for you like cigarettes are. Anyway, although I do agree with you, it is still inappropriate to wear it. A school function i'm not going to wear a shirt to church that says that's what i know or that's what i do i smoke cigars and know things like i'm not going to wear corn stars necessarily to a family reunion with all the old people there like it's just it's not that big a deal though you're overthinking it i'm just thinking out loud again maybe i am overthinking it i don't know i'm just again i'm just getting people's opinions because i'm curious as to uh you know overall what what everyone thinks 
Yeah. Well, for this group, we all say keep it. How many under 18? Not a lot. So the largest, the uh, a large majority of our of our demo, I'll look it up right now, is actually, I think, between like 18 and 27. Okay. I can look it up on Spotify. While you do that, I'm going to refill my beverage. What is... I don't want this. Go away, Spotify. Stop it. That's cool. It's just not going to do what I want it to. Uh, let's check SoundCloud. and It's probably a better... Insights... Audience. That doesn't tell me age. I don't know. Spotify breaks it down. Um, shows you, you know, age, gender, all that stuff. Who's, who's listening? Um, and it is majority male. Um, again, I think 18 to 27, maybe it was 32. Seemed to be the most common. Um, I'm all, yeah. I thought I, it would have skewed higher. If that's the case, you're targeting the right demo with the name. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not going to redesign the shirt because I like the shirt design. And if I changed the name, I still would have. I just changed the text to whatever the new name would be. But again, just just putting some feelers out there. I like to get people's opinions. I haven't had an actual complaint. Chris, again, Chris seems fairly indifferent. So, yeah, yeah, that is probably the average age for people who listen to pods. Uh, let me pull it up on here. Boop, boop. Wireless keyboard. I don't know why I'm logged in on the podcast app, but for some reason, none of my stuff shows up. Let's see, audience details. Uh, 85% male, 9% female, 5% not specified, 0.89% non-binary. Know how that works. Um, age so 0.62 percent age 0 to 17, 8.82 percent 18 to 22, 25.2 percent 23 to 27, 27.13 percent 28 to 34, uh, 23.11 34 to 44, 
45 to 59. 0. 0.5660 to 150, and then somehow 1.03% unknown. However, that works. Let's see. Maybe also have a shirt option that doesn't have cornstars on it. I would buy that. Personally, I don't want shirts with the name. I don't want to watch Snake Discovery. Their audience skews young and they speak to it. Fair enough. Then leave it. You would burn your marketing for no reason. I don't think it's burning anything. I don't think it would make much difference except for my slight peace of mind. Tyson said, I didn't care about the name. I was just excited to have a pot specific to corns. Overwhelmingly male, 18 to 34. Yes. Yeah. So. The majority, 27.13% of our listeners on Spotify, Phil, are 28 to 34. Of uh, this show? All of it. The whole network. Oh, okay. That's uh, to be expected. And then our top three countries are the U.S., the U.K., and Canada. Are you looking at this analytics from because it's the network, or are you just on, like, an analytics website? No, this is the analytics from Spotify. Oh, okay. I'd be eager to see what Venom Exchange Radio is. Only because we only put out an episode a month. You know what I mean? So I'm sure it's skewed. You should it. have it. On Spotify? Um, if you sign up for the account and you claim the show, which it'll have you put in, I think like the RSS feed or something. Um, yeah, it'll keep track of, cause it's on Spotify because I, I listen to it on Spotify. So if you do that, it should show you, um, let me see. Cause I have all the analytics, um, in terms of like how many people listened for how long they listened. I have all that from Apple and RSS and Spotify and Google play, but I don't have like the country rankings and stuff that I would like to see. Uh, where am I? Yeah, Here we've we go. got um, Australia's number four, and then Netherlands is number five. Sweden, Ireland, Germany, South Africa, and Norway is top ten. Interesting. Very. I've also thought about switching up from SoundCloud to another another host. But at this point, like we've been with SoundCloud for since 2016 and I'm Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I just I don't really use SoundCloud for anything myself as far as listening to stuff. If it ain't on Spotify, I'm probably not going to hunt it down. Is kind of where I'm at. Um Interesting. I'm kind of the same way on uh, Apple Podcasts. So. Yeah, yeah. Once everyone finds like the platform they they use for for music and stuff, and they don't really tend to stray from that. Yeah. But I mean, on SoundCloud, we're at seven hundred eighty-three thousand. Wow. Eighty-two plays. That coupled with uh, Spotify, like we're we're very close to a million. Wow. Just wild. That's crazy. And I don't really look at the analytics too often. I check in and on them periodically just out of curiosity. 
Well, Spotify is acting weird for me, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too obsessed on that. But I will go to Apple Podcasts and take a gander at that. And that is also acting stupid because I have StreamYard working. So never mind on that. Um, I haven't checked Apple in a hot minute. Apple Podcast Connect. Let's see here. The listeners really care about this right now. <laughs> oh, I don't think I can because my Apple ID got all jacked up and I can't log into it. Yeah, Google Podcasts. Um, that one's it's been there. Like somehow the the show has been put on websites and services that I never even signed up for. I guess there's things like crawlers on the internet that that pull these RSS feeds and upload them automatically to like Podbean and other you know um, websites like that. Uh, so, I mean, whatever. YouTube now has something where you can upload a podcast. I don't know how it's any different, but I think YouTube's kind of a day late and a dollar short on the uh, yeah. on the podcast train. So Yeah, most definitely. Well, I just went on to chartable.com under the charts, and when I type in the word Venom, the first ones that come up is Venom Quest PlayStation Podcast, Venom Skate Podcast, Venomous Reptile Mentorship, which is uh, Dr. E's uh, podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. Anyone who wants to listen to Dr. E's show. However, I don't think he's uploaded an episode in like three or four years. And then four or five ones down is Venom Exchange Radio. Um, oh, wow. So it has Apple Podcasts rank charting. So we have Venom Exchange Radio has five stars. Wow, from from only twelve ratings. Um, but we are number two nineteen in Great Britain for Nature. We are a hundred and ten in Australia for Nature. A hundred and fourteen in Austria for Nature, and number fifty five in Thailand. Nice. That's that's pretty cool. Pretty, no, pretty wild, like SoundCloud. Um, pretty cool. Shows you like a map, and you can see how many plays per country you know you're getting, and like to see the little spots all over the place that are like lit up, and some of just the off the wall countries that we've gotten gotten plays in. You know, yeah, it's just wild. That yeah, I'll have to check that out when we're not live. It's the That's internet, awesome. man. It's uh, the future is now. Nice. The Ipers apparently have an exciting announcement in about three or four days, so that's going to be cool. Play Mortal Kombat with a friend in Vietnam. <laughs> nice. How's your uh, Leonis doing? Good. Uh, fat and sassy. It's so weird, man. Like, she'll sleep on top of the paper towel as if it's like a flat rock, and then she'll also sit with, like, a coil in the water bowl but like her head and her tail are not in it mm-hmm. and the, the water bowl is big enough for her to completely coil in but she'll just put like that one that one loop of body super cute how are yours uh they're doing good the um both of them are growing uh at some point probably next year i'm sure i'll hunt down a male um Not sure exactly which route I want to go as far as that goes. Uh, I guess kind of the 
just because the two females I have are so different from one another in terms of phenotype. Um, it might be cool to, to find, even if I just got like a melanistic male, I actually think that other female that didn't come from Chris um, might be het melanistic just because Chris had mentioned the ones that I got, like the one that I got that have sort of a, a dirtier sort of look to them. Um, typically ones that have that, that sort of appearance uh, carry that melanistic gene somewhere or another. So nice. That'd be cool. I don't know. The melanistic ones really don't do a whole lot for me. I feel like it's kind of like, all white snakes like leucistics and stuff like yeah. that like how how much blacker can you make a make a snake um, <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i like the one of the things about leonis i like a lot is just the fact that there's so many options and so many things you can do and it's like why would you want just to do a black leonis like you can get an mbk if you want a, a black king snake you know yeah exactly and it reminds me of, of squams man like you can yeah. bring a green mom to a red dad and get whatever rainbow babies, you know? So I will say this though. When we were up in North Florida this past week, we saw a melanistic Florida softshell turtle. Oh, I bet you that's cool as hell. Actually, I will send you that picture. Do you um, have it? <laughs> dude, super cool. I, I had never seen anything like this before. And, uh, KJ was saying that the, the easiest way to tell that it truly is a melanistic is the eyes are gold. And uh, here, I'm sending it to you now. And if you zoom in, you can see it's a black turtle. <laughs> I also sent you my female puff editor that shed because she is amazing. and Everyone needs to see her. Let's hey, see. Jeff Frederick in the house. Like the dark brettles I love, like the really, the, I guess, I don't know if you'd call them melanistic, but the, like there's some species where I think it is really cool when you have something that's like all black, like the all black Jansen and I are neat. I don't really have much of a desire to get them, um, but they are cool. Yeah. Um, it's just like when you're dealing with like sort of generic North American colubrids and they all kind of have the same body shape and they all just kind of look the same and they're all the uniform color it just doesn't doesn't do a whole lot for me yeah but dude how good's that it's ridiculous 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 if 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 people could zoom in that that snake is pixelated black and gold it's a disei in in bitus form yeah it's it's a disei in bitus form oh yeah love that snake she's killer man absolutely killing she shed let me right before this picture so right before that picture yeah right like I, she, no she shed and then i took the, and then this actually nipper took the picture she shed the day before he got here and i was like oh hey she just shed. Uh, take a look and took the picture so here i'm gonna share the the window here yeah go for it so we can we can zoom in i just gotta download them it's all right Gotta load up my my hard drive with all these pictures. Thanks, Lisa, and thanks, Jeff. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's still pixelated on on Streamyard, but dude, that snake is black and gold. Black and oh. black and yellow. 
Love her, man. She's such a great animal. Just can't wait to see what she produces. Now I'm opening the soft shell. I haven't seen a soft shell up here either, and we're supposed to have them. I'm not yeah, do you guys get spinies or the, the flowers? I have no idea. Okay. I've never seen one, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at him. He's like, come on. It's like, touch me. See what happens. So, yeah, you can see the, the gold eyes. And, dude, that skin was just jet black. And then those two yellow dots are actually like a, a musk secretion. These? Yeah. And KJ was saying he doesn't know if it's a defense thing or if it's a sexual attractant. But, yeah, there's just two droplets of, like, this yellow sticky musk liquid that comes out of the, the, fronts, the front of their arms. Those are just straight out of Star Wars. Like, you walk into the freaking oh, yeah. on Tatooine, dude. That's what you're looking at. Oh, for sure. It sucks because I really wanted to get a picture with his neck stretched out, but he just would not stick his neck out at all. This is the look of murder. <laughs> I don't think you know who you're dealing with. Uh, how big was it, Lisa? I would say it was probably a full-grown male. So maybe 15 to 20 inches in carapace length. So I don't know if that was helpful. How come the stuff I sent didn't... Damn it. You sent pictures too? Damn it, Zuckerberg. Oh, I'm seeing him now, the chondros. Yeah, so this is funny um, because this is that new Biok girl that I got that is just an absolute chunk. Nice. Like, I had to put my camera on, like, the furthest zoom out it could. And, like, that. look at how much that freaking PVC is flexing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. And I'm assuming by the long piece of PBC you're using as a snake hook that she is a bit defensive. Um, no, she's not too bad. She was just perched on it, and I took her out to to get some sort of outdoor pictures and videos of her. Um, she's really not not that bad in comparison to my my adult male. I mean, that's that's her again. She's big. Oh, nice, nice. She's a she's a she's a biok. That's for damn sure. Yeah, dude. Um, Look at all that yellow. But she's not horrible. She seems like she'll get a little pissy if you give her enough time to sort of stop and realize what's going on. But she's a... It's a good-looking animal. She's a, she's a big one. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that head. Oh, I love the yellow in the eyes. Like yellow yeah, eyebrows. Eyebrows, yeah. Yeah. She got some yellow Groucho Marx eyebrows. What you gonna do about it, eyebrows? Got the blues at the base of the, uh, like where the the scutes and stuff kind of start, which is nice. Got a good bit of the yellow, or not yellow, but the white white scales, and just a good looking snake. 
She big, five years old. Nice. Hopefully be back to producing some uh, captive bred Biox and some other stuff down the down the line. I think actually she's she's in my opinion, she's she's overweight. She's pretty fat. Um Yeah, she really doesn't have a lot of wrinkles. Gonna cut her back on food and then you know, again, maybe come December um possibly pair her with that Bioc male. And I think if she laid a clutch that would kind of help her cut cut some weight. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good bit. So most definitely. And uh, Jeff had a good idea about my excavator clay. He was saying, uh, add some tree fern or cocoa fiber into the clay, kind of like rebar and cement or fiberglass and resin. That's a fantastic idea. And it would actually add a lot of texture to it as well, I think. Um, I basically, I don't want to say I gave up on that idea, but trying to do what I wanted to do just didn't work right. Um, so I'm probably going to honestly go to a actual ceramic clay that is one of those ones where you don't need a kiln you can just cook it in your convection oven you know so i'm probably gonna try and make some stone art out of that in my like in my normal kitchen oven um and then add that into the excavator clay so if the animal tries to dig or scratch at the 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 rock or stone that i've made it won't it won't break apart or damage but if they want to dig in the actual excavator clay it will degrade the way it's intended to if that makes sense um so i'm gonna i'm probably gonna dabble that in the near future so especially the next project is once i finish the transpagos copperhead vivarium i'm gonna next one's gonna be a black box cube that'll be for the adult subak and that one i want to definitely do some kind of rock cut wall stuff to it so Pictures to come. Yeah. I love Beox too, Lisa. Um, Jeff asked if she was a red Neo. I don't think she was. I think she was a yellow. It's also kind of hard to tell. She doesn't have a, uh, a ton of that sort of ghosting of the pattern that kind of would be able to for sure tell me what she, she likely was. Um, I believe she was yellow because the guy that I got her from, I remember he got her young and I believe she was a yellow, um, sort of just sort of starting to get some green on her, if I'm not mistaken. So nice. Nice. Is there, um, are, are red Neo Beox known to produce as much yellow in adults as a yellow Neo? Um, I don't, I think it's a complete crapshoot. I don't think there's really, okay. I, I haven't seen in my, in my experience, I haven't seen it lean one way more or the other. Um, the red thing definitely seems to be from what we know, red seems to be sort of a dominant kind of trait. So if you breed a red to a yellow, um, or you breed a red to a red, you're likely to get more reds. Uh, you can still get an even mix. I mean, when I, so that first clutch that I got, that female was a red, was a red neonate and that male was a yellow and that whole clutch was reds. So genetically there's something to the, the red over the yellow thing. Um, 
as far as like what that is, no one, I don't think anybody knows yet, but okay. You could play around with pressing your hieroglyphs into the excavator clay as you mold it into the baked clay. Yeah, that's that's a good idea too. I'm going to um I haven't bought them yet. Um there is companies that make a uh I don't want to say cookie cutter, but for lack of a better synonym, hieroglyphic cookie cutters. And it's meant for arts and crafts and what have you. I'm probably going to order a couple of them online and try them as well. Um just because carving the excavator clay proved to be very, very brittle. Um, I wound up having to lightly, lightly moisten it, much like you would a pre-fired ceramic. And just to get some some malleableness to it. Um, but if I went too wet, it would just melt, basically. So uh, I'm going to play with the, the ceramics and kind of go from there. So... Scott said if it was dominant red to red would only give reds. And yeah, I mean, I don't know that it necessarily means uh, I don't mean dominant in like the traditional sense, but but reds tend to take the wheel in clutches a little more. Yeah, and with the designer stuff too, that's typically what a lot of people go for is like the darkest red stuff is the stuff that people hold on to because those are the ones that typically tend to get more blue. Yeah, I didn't watch that Mutt episode. Yeah, that's going to be a, a hard, uh, hard decision for me. But... And yeah, Jeff, uh, I appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll send you pictures with, uh, with progress. So I, I am, I am really surprised at how well the cookie sheet with wax paper worked. Um, I really want to try it with some other media because the excavator clay was, it was too thin. It was too brittle and it, it just broke like it broke like peanut brittle. Um, but using a cookie sheet or a baking pan with wax paper, it, it worked exactly like I thought it would in terms of making a thin, thin ceramic for lack of a better word or thin clay layer so so it was he saying like if you took fiberglass and like put that in the middle of it no he was saying the way that they put fiberglass into resin or they put rebar into concrete to reinforce mm -hmm. the, the solid media if you put cocoa husk or cocoa fiber into excavator clay it would do the same thing so, but I do feel like because excavator clay is honestly designed to be excavated, it's designed for an animal to burrow into it. Uh, it would probably keep its rigidity better with that, but it's still gonna it's still gonna dust up and crumble up, and you know, yeah. it's it's meant to be dug into. So, it's but, meant to be excavated. It's meant to be excavated. But I'll tell you, all the fake rocks and stuff I made for the healing closure, they hold up real well. And I mean, she walks all over them she's got those big crazy corn chip nails and uh, those frito toenails you know and uh it really doesn't break apart with her so but if i take one of those stones in my hand and i squeeze it real hard it'll just crumble into powder mm -hmm. so but time will tell we'll see and i definitely want to do a a, a, a cracked earth kind of like how um uh oh now what's his name no, I can't remember his name. No, I feel like a jerk. Somerville. 
Somerville. Thank you, Matt. Matt Somerville. Matt Somerville, and, and honestly, uh, 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 Hanson too. Jake Hanson with his cracked earth that he's got for his snakes. I need to hit him up. I haven't I haven't talked to him in a minute. I know, I know. I feel like we we we've barely talked to him these days. We got to catch up. Um, I think that you could probably do that with with excavator clay if you had a thick enough clay that was wet enough, and you burnt the crap out of it with like halogen lights. I bet you it would do it. The only problem is depending on the animal you put in there those cracks are going to crumble they're going to they're going to fall yeah i mean that's i guess that's kind of like how would you how does matt do it to where it it remains looking like it's supposed to in the state so from what i gather he's using black soil from australia and we just don't have that here so fair enough yeah scott says crackers is easy they've done it for decades I'm sure you guys have. We just we don't have that that dirt here, you know. So we got some of the sandiest soil you could you could ever want. Yeah, right. It's great for drainage. Let's see, red to red would only produce all reds if one or both is homozygous red. Yeah, I. I use the term dominant loosely. Basically, I'm saying if you put two yellows together, the likelihood of you getting a lot of reds seems to be slim. Seems to be. Not will be. Seems to be. If you put red in the mix, you tend to get a little more reds. Whatever genetic rules apply to that or lack thereof, that's sure. I'm not a scientist, damn it. I'm not Doc Wyman. Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a pool man. So what's on the horizon for uh, Palmetto Coast Exotics? Um, uh, planning to breed the Persinum next year. Hell yeah, mother trucker. Should be interesting. If those babies are... are even just a smidge as, as hateful as the parents are, that'll be fun. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, gonna go again. You know, we talked about the Jance and I and sort of pursuing those again next year. I'm just trying to prep them going into like June a little better than I than I did previously. Okay, See if that yields better results. So. And uh, when are you going to start cooling stuff? I mean, now that the weather is changing, when are you... <clears throat> I'm, I'm super traditional. It's like Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day is typically okay. Typically, where I'm at with that, um, because it is it is cooling and it hasn't been getting warmer again. So you know, I don't. We usually have this sort of yo-yoing of temperatures where it'll be nice and fall-like for a week, and then it'll go back to being summer, and then. You know, back and forth, uh, off and on for weeks until mid-December, and then it finally decides to uh, to to pick a season and stick with it. Um, but this year, I think we're actually gonna—it's gonna be more consistent. So, cool. I'm hoping. Yeah, man, for sure. Because if you don't have a cooler and you're you're at the mercy of whatever Mother Nature decides to be on a given week, um, it can be really frustrating when you're trying to cool snakes and it's it's 75 degrees outside. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 
I'm going to, uh, this year will definitely be a test of the desert snake room to see how much night drop actually goes. And if I kill all the heat, keep the ceiling fan on and dare I say, buy a small one room AC unit, like those little box ones. I'm wondering if I can get a big enough swing to really give these desert critters a pseudo winter, like a um, window unit. No, not a window unit because I can't have a window unit. It would defeat the purpose of the venomous room. But they make these. I mean, it kind of looks like a. It looks like a hat box. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm aging myself there. It kind of looks like a, a like an, an Nintendo GameCube. <laughs> mm -hmm. Age myself again. Um, basically, a twelve by twelve cube that has like a handle on top. And you pour like a pint of water in it and you plug the thing in and it just freezes the room out to whatever does as cold as you can get it. Um, so I think I might, they're like a hundred bucks. I may invest in that just to get it down another, maybe five or 10 degrees. And then if it is say in the seventies outside, it'll be in the sixties here. Hopefully that's enough of a swing to kind of get a month or two, depending on some of the grassland stuff. Um, the wrinkles should really go colder. Um, I may, if it if I if it doesn't work this year, then the following year I know I have to get an actual cooler. And go from there. Yeah, Scott said stick uh, stick the snakes in a wine fridge. The problem is, is uh, with the amount of snakes that I'm putting into cooling, I'd have to have a gigantic wine fridge. Yeah, or you do like I did, and you buy this really really nice wine cooler off Amazon for like 150 bucks, and it's got the LED lights, and it's got a glass front, and it's beautiful and it's awesome, and then you realize that you can literally fit one snake in there. So yep. now it is in my bedroom, and it has Gatorades. <laughs> it did get used. It did get used. It's just not for its intended purpose. I, I realized if I took a, if I took two snakes and bagged them. I could put both bagged snakes in yeah. there, but that's that's it, man. There's no other yeah. space. And it's like, this will hold, you know, six wine bottles. Bullshit. <laughs> like the little four-pack mini wine bottles is what it was talking about. Yeah, well, what they really meant was four beer bottles. <laughs> now, are you doing Gila's? What's the what's the no, stat on those? No, I... um. Don't be scared. I, I'm, I'm scared. I'm real scared because I only have a female right now. The male is at my friend's house, and as much as I love him, he's a great guy. He's, I don't think he's going to do it right. I think he's, I think that lizard is too much of a pet for him, for him to stick it in a wine cooler and to not feed it for like three months. And although, you know, Bobby Pebbles tells me, no, nah, man, we bred him in CB70 racks. Like, I know that that's a possibility, but I don't think. I don't think we have the capabilities to do it right right now. So maybe in the future, I've debated buying a male just to have one and see what happens. But it's it's not in the cards. It's not a priority for me right now. I'd like to, I'd love to do it, but stars. yeah, just not right now. Just gonna enjoy my pet lizard and call it a day. Where is Wyman? So Patrick says that the AC unit I was speaking of is a small evaporated cooler. He says that that won't work in high humidity. So my question, Patrick, is what is what would constitute high humidity? Because 
it is legitimately a desert room and the highest humidity it gets is like 46 47 percent and that's if i'm having a thunderstorm outside what if you put a dehumidifier in there i could i didn't want to do that because there is some temperate stuff in there like north american colubrids cooler can pitch and the dehumidifier can catch that could work it could definitely work um, but I kind of like having that level of humidity, you know, anywhere from 35 to 45, depending on the rain and stuff outside, because it is tropical South Florida, semi-tropical South Florida. I feel like it is beneficial to species like the Serastes, where they get water once every six months. So much like our recent findings on chameleons, I have a personal theory that they are, because I'm not providing them a microclimate, having the humidity in the room be in the 30s or 40s percentile, it is got to be beneficial to them. It's got to be. I don't know if they're breathing in the vapor like a chameleon does, but I literally only give them water every five or six months. And it's literally a bottle cap full. They drink it. I'll put more. They'll drink it again or they don't drink it again. If they stop drinking, that's it. I'm done. Hmm. So. Yeah, what I was doing is every three or four months, maybe five months, I was taking the snake out, putting it in a basin with like an inch of water. But the problem is now their belly's wet. I put them back in the sand. Now they're getting sand stuck to them. It's adding, excuse me, adding humidity to the tub. So I kind of want to limit that. But according to the Govi man, the, the room averages anywhere from 32% to like 40 excuse me, 44% humidity on any given evening. Mm -hmm. During the day, it's on the lower side because it's so hot. But, you know, I make sure that the water bowls are good for the corn snakes and the Honduran milk snakes and the Eastern Kings. Um, but like the Subox, loving it. Yeah. Pyros, loving it. You know, my, my Fuscus, my, my Australian water pythons, I give them a big water bowl that's always full. If they want to sit in it, they sit in it. If they don't, they don't. They're Queensland, so they kind of don't care. Go from there. Are you going to try breeding those next year? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Because you were so. on the fence about it the past season, right? Well, I put them together for like a month and okay. nothing happened. So I didn't food cycle them, but I definitely temp cycled them. I killed their, I slowly killed their heat. I would turn it off each night for like three weeks. And then they had a month with no heat when they were together. And then about a month with heat. Not long, maybe like two weeks with heat together. I never saw a lock. I never, they didn't fight. They were just sitting there next to each other. So I separated them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that was it. So we'll see this year. But uh, I showed them to Nipper because he has fog dams and his are, I think, a year older than mine. And mine are, he says, mine are double the size of his. And he showed me a picture of his in his hand and just like, it looks like the it looks like my yearlings. Crazy size difference. So hmm. yeah, I mean when he was there, did he did he have any critiques for the room and yeah, absolutely. Oh, you give you some like some things <clears throat> that he does with his that you didn't think of? Yeah. Um his biggest thing was I have a lot of stuff growing up in tubs and his thing was start getting your vivariums together because they're not going to live in tubs forever. They're not. Right. Um, 
And that is something that's always been in the forethought of my mind, but I feel like I should start doing it. <clears throat> excuse me. I should start doing it sooner than later. I don't want to get caught in my pants down. Um, yeah. And I think what I'm going to do is his biggest thing was why are those puff adders not on display? <laughs> he says, why are those puff adders in drawers? How well do those really do? I mean, I guess it depends on how high strong individuals are, but it's like, do puffs make decent display species? Uh, in my personal opinion, they are just like any other bitis. If you give them the option to hide, they're going to, mm -hmm. but they are always on display in that regard. So like I would, in my mind, putting these puffs, I would probably do like a, like a fake grass wrap yeah. around the back. Nice picture of the habitat, Peter Martinsburg, you know, Western, um, Western KwaZulu Natal and maybe even do like a Durban cityscape. I thought that would kind of be kind of, kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and then do some sandy loomy soil with some actual black soil mixed in to match their tone. And then um, who is telling me this? I can't remember. I was going to get hay and just sprinkle hay to make it like a like grassland and let them, let them hide underneath yeah. the hay. I can't remember who was telling me this just recently, but they sell a, it's almost like Timothy hay, but it's a desert version. And that's what the tortoise people give to their tortoises and I get for food. And I guess you can buy it by like the, I guess, two liter bushel, if you want to call it that yeah. on online. And I can't remember who was telling me this. I mean, dude, give that to the stilettos, dude. Yeah, I thought of that too. Um, but I figured my goal for the puffs is because Nipper was so adamant about getting them on display, he's not wrong. They're absolutely gorgeous. I want to see if Black Box will make me the same sliders that they've made me before, but three feet wide, I guess 15 or 16 inches deep, and only 15 inches high. Because the puffs are. Yeah, they're not really going to use any of that. Right. Right. And then I could stack both of them on the same size shelf as a standard three foot black box. Mm -hmm. Does that did that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> so just do LEDs with them because the room's hot enough as it is. And if I got to screw in some kind of heat lamp, I can some micro halogen or something, I'll screw it on the inside. It's not like they're going to knock it down and just do that. <clears throat> so that's definitely going to be a goal for my near future. Um, and then I have two more black boxes that I'm going to do. Once I do the subak one, I think the subak one's really going to be my, real experimentation in terms of rock wall rock ledge i gotta hit up dustin gron and kind of pick his brain a little bit because yeah he does a phenomenal job of that awesome shit. job of it awesome job of that shit um and then once the subak one's done i have two more cubes that i'm probably going to put maloris in um and uh uh, Mexican rock rattlers, excuse me for those who are listening at home. Don't know what <laughs> Jeff's here in the reminders. Yes. Like, yes. Like the, the little proverbial throw <clears throat> around the finger so you don't forget. Exactly. Exactly. So, what uh, what is the actual common uh, Tamalipan rock rattlers? Thing? Excuse me. Tamalipan rock. Oh. What's that? I don't even know what the common names are. Yeah. It's, it's Tamalipan rock rattlesnake. And I have two different localities. So, uh, Kyle actually has photos of each one's respective mountains. So I'm going to get Kyle to send me the backgrounds and I'm probably going to do them up in black box cubes too. So that's, that's honestly the next phase. I'll pay, I'm going to pair the Fuscus for sure. Um, 
I think that's honestly the only thing that's really going to be old enough this year besides the ring calls. So, are you going to go for rinks? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I I don't know if I'm going to get them cold enough, but we'll see. We'll see. Just put them in your fridge. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't. I always look forward to to cooling time just because it's a nice. Everyone gets a little bit of a vacation, you know. So uh, can really load up on feeders, get the freezer stocked for the baby season following, and you can put a little more focus into the chondros. And yeah, it's just a, it's not a bad time of year. Let's not forget about the best part: the pumpkin spice latte and Christmas. And Christmas. I mean. Pumpkin spice lattes at Christmas. I love Christmas. I don't. I love Christmas music. I'm all about it. Everyone's like so horrified by it. But Bing Crosby. Yeah, man. Come on, dude. Mariah Carey. I mean, Mariah, I could do without. Oh, come on, man. It's an American institution. I'm almost positive there's tones in her songs that we can't hear, but it makes dogs want to jump off bridges. But yeah, season's right around the corner, man. Used to ramp up. Hyper uh, claws. Hmm? Scott dresses up like Santa and goes to the malls. Does he? In Australia. <laughs> that's still such a bizarre concept to me that, that that's summer for them. And it's Christmas. Yeah. just feels wrong closest thing i've come to that is being in hawaii at christmas well i mean they do the palm trees here so it's actually you you need to do another book reading i would like to this year i would i'm going to try and plan it out i want to do it last year and i waited till last minute and it just wasn't in the cards and uh i'm I'm definitely gonna do another one this year um I don't know if I'm going to do Night Before Christmas. I might do something else, but I definitely want it to be outlandishly exuberant this year. So that'll that'll be a goal. What, <laughs> what book are you going to do, though? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I don't know. Maybe I will just do you know, Night Before Christmas because it is so iconic. <clears throat> and uh, Jeff Frederick, I thought about Alfalfa. That's actually what I was going to use was alfalfa just because of the color being right, you know, when it gets browned out. But this, but I can't remember who was telling me about this desert grass. Damn. When I remember, I'll, I'll PM you. So. Hmm. What happened to Billy Phil and the, the Snakes and Stogies book club? Uh, it just hasn't <clears throat> happened. That's all. We've We've tried. Yeah, it's tough with that, schedules. That Billy Hunt is a tough one to. Uh, I know. He's I know. Just such a popular guy. He is. I mean, fighting fires, going to Tinley. It's just, it's just too busy for us, man. <laughs> I actually, I just talked to Billy literally five minutes before the show, and uh, he was working. We were, we were talking about Tinley, and uh, and yeah, we're we're definitely due for a Billy's book club. So we'll get him soon. I actually, I got some some new books that i gotta share so uh 
definitely excited. I mean, the longer that. we put it off, it kind of works out because that gives me more time to actually get some read. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Dude, wait, you read your books? I don't have time to read them. I just collect I try them. to. <laughs> Scott said he'll take Billy's spot. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Billy will fight you. Oh, man. <clears throat> Scott has so many books, though. He, I know. How are we even supposed to? Well, we have to ration Scott to just three. I don't think you could do it. I think he could. If we did, if we did a segment with him, I think we could take him two years to to read off his whole book collection. <laughs> At least. And Jeff, you want to rewrite Night Before Christmas for Snakes and Stogies? I'm a thousand percent in, brother. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I still need to get Zach's book, man. You do. You need to do it very quickly, I my friend. Through, I flipped through it, and I just. I got to get it. It's got to happen. And then I need to send it to him to sign and then I'll pay to have him send it back to me. Yeah, you could do that. You could do that. Wonder if he could get it at the post office, take it out of the, the package, sign it, put it back in the package and be like, I'm returning this return to sender. <laughs> I don't think it works like that. What you'd have to do is you have to send it to him with the return label inside. So he literally opens it at the post office, signs it, and then puts your new label on top and then just tapes it up real quick and gives it back to him. <laughs> they would probably raise an eyebrow at that and be like, that's like a secret code or something he just sent him. Yeah, right. Scott and Ty got a shout out from O'Shea. Oh, nice. Really? He's at 2,500, almost 2,600 titles. That's crazy, Scott. That's wild, man. I think uh, uh, using uh, BookBuddy, the, the book app that Eric Burke speaks so highly about, which, again, I think is fantastic. Anybody who wants to catalog their library, Go get the app Book Buddy. It's a thousand percent worth it. Um, I think I'm at like 160 something hurt books, just hurt books. So trying, trying. I just don't, uh, don't keep track. Yeah, man, that Book Buddy is super helpful, man, especially when some, excuse me, some of the more obscure hurt books that. I, I, you know, I put them in my Amazon wish list, or I put it on my A Books wish list, and I can't remember if I bought it or not. And and a lot of the information is, I don't want to say repetitive, but you know, I've got several different books on reptiles of Israel, and several different books of reptiles of Africa, and which version do I have? So, but Book Buddy, here I'm gonna try and pull it up right now so you guys can see. So let's do Herpetoculture. So according to this, I'm at, okay, I was a little off. So I've got 119 for just herpetoculture, but that's not all of them. I still have probably 40 or 50 that I didn't put into the app. But if you could look at the app here, it shows the stars are my rating. And then the little heart is favorites. I was just kind of playing around experimenting with it. And you literally can scroll let me see if i can do this backwards and it has all the different books 
And what you can do is you can actually scan the um, barcode on the back, which I can't remember what that's called. Scott's going to yell at me. Um, I ICN number, I think. I don't remember. But you can scan that number and it'll actually pull it up. If there's no photo of the book because it's an old book that might be out of print, then you can go on to the interwebs and find a picture of it or take your own picture of the cover of the book. And it gives the author, the publisher, the date of publication, the genre, all of that. So, and it's a fantastic app. I think it was like, it was like six bucks for the year, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So totally worth it. Nice. Yeah, man. ISBN number. Yes, ISBN. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And, uh. And some of the books are newer and they may not be in there, but like, let's say you had a naturalist guide to snakes of Australia by Scott and Ty Iper. Ha ha ha. And I say, man, I really, really like that book. I can click edit. I can make it a favorite. And this one, it has, it doesn't have a subtitle. It doesn't have a series per se, um, but it has the publication date. It has the genre. It has a, a brief thing about it. Uh, it tells you the language, tells you the number of pages. I can make it, boom, five stars. Look at that. Now, other people that have uh, Book Buddy can look at my rating, or add to the, the ratings at whole, and they go, oh, wow, well, that book says five stars. I should, I should buy that book. And there you go. It was rated highly by Mr. Phil Wolf. It was. By Wolf Daddy. You can also put the reading status. So like this one here, Australasian Elapids, ha, ha, ha. Uh, edition Chimera, again, Scott and Ty Iper. Um, if you'll notice, it says reading status unread. And that is because I have not corrected it yet. But it has been read. Yes. I won't lie, not in its entirely, because as Nipper would say, it is a tomb of a book. But I have definitely taken a lot of knowledge from that, what I like to call the Aussie Bible. The Aussie Bible. Yeah, the Aussie Bible. The Aussie Bible. Chalk full of a leopard action. Large enough to choke a horse. Well, was there anything else you wanted to uh, get into? No, man, I think we covered a lot tonight. It was pretty good. It's a uh, weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is a weapon. Could be used to defend your home. Um, no, man, I think we covered a lot tonight. It's good stuff. I'm excited for lots to come, man. Lots to come. And uh, definitely, if you have not gotten uh, Dr. Zach Lofman's new book on the Falsewater Cobra and their kin, I highly recommend you purchase it, especially if you're going to be listening to Snakes and Stogies in the near future. Oh. A little teaser for y'all. You're welcome. <laughs> well, this episode was brought to you by Fulvius Apparel. Dot com. Use code THN at checkout. THN listeners and viewers like you get 15% off. That is exclusive to this channel. 
Jeff Frederick wants to know if Fulvius Apparel will be doing hoodies, hoodies for, fall. for fall. Yes. So I was saying uh, at the start of the show, I got this Pariah Sumatronis hoodie that was kind of a tester to print on because uh, this is sort of a higher ratio of polyester to cotton. Um, with the DTG printing that I do pretty much all the stuff on, um, it has to be as like higher percentage of cotton the better because the polyester is waterproof and since the ink is water based it doesn't work very well so uh printed on these just to see how they do stuck it in the washer and it held up fine so my plan is uh sometime between now and this weekend uh getting some stuff added to the site and um as far as hoodies go and then making it happen so nice the, the anniversary is tomorrow i got jury duty tomorrow oof told you dude this month has just been just coming in hot oh my god um so yes hoodies will be on on the site here soon um blackboxcages.com check them out facebook instagram uh, there's a giveaway going on right now between now and the 30th, $500 gift card up for grabs. Go, go enter, go to the Facebook page or Instagram to see how to enter. And, uh, then go follow Puget Sound Pythons at, uh, on Morph Market or Instagram and Facebook, all things stay in the loop with what is going on. Um, Dean was wearing his sublock hat at the end. He's nice that's awesome are we gonna get a sabak shirt or hoodie anytime soon um at some point so i've i've thought about doing like those designs like i did for the hat on shirts well, and other things it i doesn't just have don't to know be, i don't know how much i i like that yeah I, the hat logos of the snakes pattern i think is awesome but for like a shirt you should do some kind of west texas you know, Boger Tofus deliciousness. Yeah. I got to, uh, I'm trying to get more, more non snake stuff up. Cause I feel like I'm, I've, it's fairly leaning. It is, it's leaning yeah. heavily on the snake side, which is cool and all, but it's very snake centric. Um, I was working on a Pacillotheria design the other day. Um, Cause I do want to also add more invert stuff into the mix as well. Um, cool. Cool. So slowly working on it. It's just, yeah, uh, again, time has not been my friend lately. So it's all right. You'll get it. But hopefully once this month sort of finishes up, things will calm down a bit. And could you embroider the trim on the shirts? Like that? it's a good idea. What do you? I'm not sure. I know what you mean. The trim. Yeah, like the the actual stitching. Oh. Um. I mean, maybe that might take a lot. I don't know. I'm also. I don't think I'm fully understanding what what we're talking about. He'll send you a proof. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cold blooded caffeine. Can't mention, can't forget to mention, uh, train the gang. Um, 
use the link below, grab yourself some coffee stuff, coffee accessories. Uh, we are still sort of in the process of, of getting our thing together. Um, I think we're kind of just waiting on me at this point. So, um, yeah, stay tuned there. We'll have sort of an official announcement of sorts and things when the time comes. Uh, but if you like coffee, I do not think you'll be disappointed. I'm not. Not at all. It's pretty good. I will also get to say that this past week I got to taste the NPR blend. Oh. And that was muy delicioso. Uh, also, uh, Mr. Burke, the podfather and coffee connoisseur himself, had a fantastic contraption that I neglected to get the manufacturer of, but it was a thermos that had a French press inside it. Oh. So you put in your grind and you French press inside the thermos, remove yeah. the mechanism, and now just walk away with your just thermos. Ready to go. Ready to go. So, yeah. I like it. Cold blood of caffeine. Check it out. Uh, we'll be back Thursday for THP. Sort of back on the usual schedule of things. We uh, appreciate everybody. I'm exhausted. It's time for bed. It's good. Nighty night. See ya. Bye.